Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We can't find this guy's government name. <laughs> yeah, he might actually be Deuce Gruden. There's nothing in here about it being John. <laughs> Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast. A part of the Touchline Media Group, uh, and touchlinefraca.co.uk. I'm your host, Asa Smith, here as always with my wife, Anna Smith, who's sitting next to me. And we're here to talk about football, the pointy ball that occasionally is played at the amateur and occasionally is played at the professional level, and the other football in which America is the best in the world except for the other countries that play it. Uh, this week's episode uh, has a focus on the game that happened uh, just now, between the U.S. men's national team and Costa Rica, as well as a preview of the week to come in college and pro football. Uh, This episode is brought to you by the Anchor app, as well as the Smith Workforce Management Group. For all of your HR, uh, employment law, in-house counsel needs, check out the Smith Workforce Management Group at smithworkforce.com. Let's get right into it with our good friends, Ben, Kevin, and, of course, co-host Greg. How's it going, Coach Ben? It is going better than it seemed like it was going to at first. That is a, a pretty fair assessment of what's gone on here. I uh, I think it's it's fair to say that that started as poorly as as it could have. Yeah, they were very confident that goal shouldn't have counted, which, unless I'm very much misunderstanding things, it was pretty onside. Well, I, th- I think that they didn't realize that Dest um, existed as a human being with, like, a uh, corporeal form. Well, and I, I think there is some rule where if you're, like, behind the touchline that you somehow don't count, but maybe since he was still active and running, he does. I don't know. 
I need like a rules expert here. Where's the uh, where's the PGA rules guy? We need the PGA rules guy, but I I think the rule is is that if you like if you're out of bounds, you're considered like on the touch line. I think, I, right. think I think that's the like the 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 horizontal rule. But isn't it like if you're laying off hurt behind the end line, you don't count? But since he's up, he did. Yeah, I mean, I I guess like maybe his his feelings were hurt. Maybe we could argue that. <laughs> Right, that's right. He got back at him. Um, right, <laughs> he sure did. He sure did. Coach Greg, how are we? Can you hear me now? We can. Ah, I've been I've been uh, logged. I had to log out, log back in. Uh, I've been trying to speak for you know thirty seconds. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, it was I, I thought this podcast was going better than normal. Damn it! <laughs> that's what so... you, that was all last week too. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so I guess we can, let's, let's, uh, let's start at the, uh, the top. It's, it's as good a place to start uh, as anywhere. Um, the decision to start Zach Steffen over Matt Turner, uh, did not look great a minute into this game. No, well, even further than a minute, but that was the most glaring mistake. Yeah. Every time there was like a chance on goal at this point, I did not have that safe feeling that I got with, that I get with Matt Turner. Yeah, Matt Matt Turner's the, the the nice boy down the street who always returns your calls, and Zach Steffen is the one who runs forty meters out of goal to head it out of bounds for reasons that are really unclear to me. Well, it can't go in the goal if it's out of bounds, right? I, I mean, conceptually, that's true. logic. It's, it's kind of the same. The same feel like like when a defender, when um, an attacker is one on one with Miles Robinson, I'm not even worried. I'm like, all right, Miles going to take care of this. When attacker is singled up with John Brooks, I'm like, oh boy. Like I got the John Brooks feeling with uh with Greg with uh Stefan Zach Stefan in uh, in goal there. Yeah, and speaking of Miles Robinson one on one, how do you feel? D- does he give you that same warm feeling when he gives the ball to the defenders so that he can be one on one with them? Uh, he gives me that uh, that Stephen Gerrard feeling is what he gives me, but with recovery <laughs> speed. <laughs> um, I think that was probably the moment. Like that was the most head in my hands. Oh my God, no! Moment of the game, and they gave up a goal. Right. Well, and then Brian Reeves proved that he is 36 and very 36. He, he is every bit of 36. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did they, that, did they mention that Costa Rica had a dude that retired four years ago come in as a sub? Did I hear that right? <laughs> I, I remember I, I reading that. something about that. I didn't hear it on the broadcast. He, came, he only came in for the last like 10 minutes, but I, I, thought they heard it, I thought I heard them say that he's just shy of his 40th birthday and he's been retired for four years. As a Lions fan, I really expect that guy to lead them to the game-winning touchdown. I mean, score. <laughs> Don Mulback-ass looking guy. <laughs> Do you remember, uh, what's his name? Chris Wanky came in at one point and beat the Lions. I'm sorry, everybody who's not a Lions fan, but... It's a, sure, it's do you remember that? Yeah, do you remember when Matt Flynn came in and earned himself $50 million by beating the Lions? Like, we can do this all day. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean... Good times. Good times. Anyways, um, so this was about... So so we, we thought that it wasn't going to be a first-choice roster because um, Areola. But it ended up being basically, like, Twitter's favorite lineup, right? Well, and that right side, that, like, Musa Dest Wea just was killing costa rica yeah like i i don't want to say we found something against the geriatric team but we did maybe find something um so so the 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 first choice ish lineup i mean wea aronson peppy uh the mma 
midfield and and uh, Jedi Robinson Richards and Dest. Um, I thought you know it's 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 funny. Matt Doyle had some snarky shitty comment at the beginning tweet at the beginning of the game like, oh I thought you know when people when I tell people that Dest isn't great, people just call me an MLS shill, which he is, <laughs> but like be, be, because Dest got me to the to the to the touchline. Um, but Dest was the best player on the field, I thought. Oh, he was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, got out. to the point where it got to the point where I don't not to go Lions reference again, but on Sunday, like the Lions just could not cover Justin Jefferson. So just they just kept throwing to Justin Jefferson. And like that's a thing you do in football. And in this form of football, just like we got to the point I'm like just just give it to Dest. Like they can't they can't do anything with him. He's gonna like carve him up or he's gonna make space for Musa. Like he was he was great in the first half. Yeah. This is going to hurt Asa, but the best example of that is that Michigan-Michigan State game. Braylon. Uh, the Bra- yeah. yeah. When all of a sudden, oh it took Lloyd Carr uh, four quarters to realize that Braylon Edwards yeah. had like six inches on his cornerback. So if you Jaren just kind of high, uh, that was a completion every time. I tend to think about the, the Charles Rogers games, but, you know, that's just some, you know, matter of perspective. In, in fairness, Michigan State did that with some guy last year who got another ball, but for – for one game, he was Ricky know, White, unstoppable. Ricky White. Um. So, uh. So, anyways, that that like, I actually thought like in this game, it, it felt like, and and I like two one. I I think you know was not like a true distillation of this game. Um. But it felt like everybody who was looking up at a defender wearing an American shirt was like, I can take this guy, and they were correct. <laughs> like. And when and when Kaylor Navas went out, like when I saw that he was out at half, I was like, "Oh, this game's over! Like we're gonna get a stupid goal," and we did. Um, I I thought we were gonna end up with three or four uh, instead of two, but um, you know, Costa Rica did not have the quality of talent to 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 play this game straight up. Correct uh, me if I'm wrong here, but it kind of felt like some of the urgency went out of the U.S. once we actually got the first goal. Yeah, like, did you guys feel that? Yeah, yes. I I thought that the the from from the second minute till whatever it was twenty fifth, twenty sixth, um, yeah, yeah, I thought that that was the best America has played since uh, I don't Jamaica. Know. <laughs> I, I I I mean, like, I I don't know, like they looked like a team, like, and and it's funny because it's like um. You know, like occasionally you'll see a team like forced to come out of its shell and then it turns out they're really, really good at attacking soccer. And then it's like, no, we got to play. We got to play our system. Like, no, you can just play balls to the wall. Everything forward. Let's go. And as as Kevin said, four natty lights deep going 83 on the highway outside of your ex's house. Yeah. Still not quite sure. I don't know what that analogy is, but I don't know why. It seems like a very specific reference. I Why believe, Natty Light? I believe it was on the way to your ex's house. That, I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't butcher the delivery on that again. Why is he going to my ex's house? I, what, like, did I hire him? It, it, is this it, a pay for place? In generalities, generalities to what? Hop, you know, I, no, that was know, way too specific. She, she, she was like, your girl, and out, you know, <laughs> Hoppy, you know, added her on Instagram, and you know that was the end of it. All gas, no brakes. Uh, yes, yeah, the good. one I recognize. That one makes sense. Uh, okay, so so this this game, like like we we've, we've we've given uh, Greg Berhalter a lot of um, 
grief amongst other people. But this this game seemed to have a plan. I don't know that it came from the coach, but if we if we kill him when there's no plan, we got to sort of give him some credit when there is a plan. But like Ben, like you mentioned, like the plan seemed to be they cannot stop the triumvirate of uh, Dest, Musa, and Wea. Um, and they just kept, sort of kept going to it. And I thought, you know, I thought Wes, Weston McKinney played really, really well. It felt like yeah, he had a couple time... rough touches at the beginning, but yeah, yeah he, uh, I think he kind of settled into the game and yeah, played better. This, um, it's not my original thought, but people have kind of talked about with him. You, know, you think he's at Juventus and he's going to play this really controlled game and dictate tempo and all that. And it's like really not his thing. Like I think the best version of Weston is, is Schalke Weston where he's just like a wrecking ball. Cause yeah, he has loose touches because he's like, he's splitting through like two guys to get to the ball before they are. And it's kind of like ricochets off his foot. He's like a controlled chaos kind of guy. And it, it, it works out because Tyler Adams is like so calm. He put every pass he plays is like so flat or along the ground. He's, he's, he's the metronome. He just let Weston just, you know, go wild. One of my, I, favorite, I think... one of my favorite descriptions I've ever heard of Weston is there's a, a real coach that works for Schalke. I think his name is like, Norbert Elgert or Norbert Elbert or something like that, something kind of funky. But he said he said Weston has the potential to be, and I'm assuming this is some sort of German phrase, uh, a tower in the battle. So like this, you know, just kind of this presence, and I feel like that's a, a good description of what he can bring when he's at you know at the at his best. Um, to to use a uh, a, a Star Wars analogy from the extended universe. So this is about to be the nerdiest thing that I've ever said in public. Oh, um, not even remotely true <laughs> you'll see uh <laughs> there's there's a uh, a jedi technique known as battle sense in which like you can like harness the flow of battle to your own purposes uh and that's what 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 came to mind for me with wes see i told you it was nerdy because that's not even a movie reference yeah but <laughs> that's not the nerdiest thing you got into an argument about marvel comics not the movies marvel comics on the subway home from a mets game that's, like, that's the nerdy. That's that's peak. That wasn't great. Uh, that was before the movies were a big thing, too. Just to be clear. <laughs> so um, indie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so so I, I I think that like that's the thing with with Wes is that like Wes needs to not be the creative presence. He needs to be the bull in the china shop. Yes. And he, and he and with Musa and and Adams in the midfield, like he can do that. They actually- and he will surprise you once in a while with a creative moment. But you yeah. can't like depend on him to do that consistently. In, in transition, his line breaking passes, he's he's very aggressive in his passing, which is like a great thing to see compared to and I and I still think instructions slow us down. Well yeah, just all the recycling <laughs> and I, we'll probably talk about that later, but born out of chaos in these like transition moments is normally when he hits his like smartest passes. He'll hit good he'll he'll switch the ball pretty proficiently but he's not like a guy that you want taking a whole lot of touches you know in your end trying to figure out uh you know where to go with the ball you kind of want him like you know on and off of his foot and just just let his energy go he, let, he does seem to love the keepy uppy over people too he loves <laughs> he's that. done that a lot recently um but but i think the thing is with him it's just like let weston be weston yeah. you know like just let him go and, and let, let, him... let Musa be Musa. He he was my man in the match. I think everything that he tried that he did well against Jamaica and then just did not work against Panama. And part of it, I think was just everyone was playing flat and he didn't really have much help, but his ability to like block out or, or seal a man off and 
in turn with the ball. Like he's the only, he's still really the only guy that wants to progress the ball up the middle of the field, like via dribbling. Yeah, and well, he seems so so comfortable. Just like, oh, I have space. I'm going to take all of it immediately. Well, like, and there's he, like no no concern there. And everybody looks better with better players around them. So like rotating yes. in your entire BC squad doesn't help those BC players. Like if you sprinkle in Jassy Zardas with the A team, then you're like, ah, oh, run Jassy, yeah, you know. Watch him crash into people. But, like, that's not that cool when everybody's trying it. Right. When everybody's trying hard to make up for lack of talent, then it doesn't really work. How much did you love, like, Jassy Zardis just wrecking himself and that guy at the that end of the game? Awesome. That was that great. Was, that was awesome. Um, so, so the, the, the take uh, I, I feel like we need to, to sort of like go through it. Uh, Stefan, we already talked about a little bit, um, had, a, had a little bit of a, a rough start. And, and like you said, Ben, he, he did not inspire confidence. I want to say the worst moment outside of the goal for me with, with Stefan was um, on that one save he had, uh, like shot came from the, the attacking right side of the box. I want to say it was in the second half. Uh, no, first half, end of the first half. And he pops up and he like was just like completely okay with it. Like he wasn't doing that goalie thing where you just yell at everybody. Yeah, the Tim Howard, like rip everybody a new one because they dared allow a shot. Yeah, so so uh, I don't I don't know if you can hear that, but um, that is a very very low flying helicopter for some reason. Uh, <laughs> what kind of list are you on, Asa? I don't want to talk about it. Um, Lots of lists. Lists. Uh, so, uh, dear listeners, if you're hearing this and you don't hear some tweets from me, uh, I got disappeared. Blame Greg. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so so I I think that Stefan like, and I know it's like like. Uh, almost like a cliche of the angry keeper. But I, I do think that there's something to that about organizing your defense and yelling at people because something screwed up. Um, so I, I'd like to see more of that from Stefan. But other than, than the thing, I thought that he played okay. Well, know? I was going to say, do you think that's a function of not getting as much playing time so he's maybe a little bit more timid than he otherwise would be? Yeah, it's possible. He, he, the question that was his issue with me when we were watching him in friendlies and through like nations league was he'd come out when he shouldn't or he would he would half-heartedly challenge for like a punch on a cross and completely with um his instincts if it's just not regular game time or maybe i, I mean i haven't watched a ton of zach stuff in a goalie like admittedly it's not something you tune into to watch someone play goal i don't know if that's right. a, uh, a common issue with him as good as he is with his feet, I think that it was a little bit of an overreaction from Greg. Cause yes, uh, Turner against Panama had some very, very scary moments in the back. Um, but I still think that first and foremost, we need a goalie who, whoever's the best at stopping shots, stop shots and let your other than against Mexico on paper should be superior midfield. Um, and maybe even against Mexico. I don't know at this point, let well, them give figure Greg- out how to break presses. It doesn't have to be your goalie's feet to break presses. Your goalie needs to stop like the three shots a, a game that you're going to see. Cause it's not like, you know, this isn't Belgium and Tim Howard. We're not getting shelled with shots. Like you need a guy to show up in those moments and make a few saves because we don't score a lot at the other end. Right. Well, to give Berhalter some credit too, like playing uh, Stefan doesn't make a lot of sense that the other team is going to bunker. So prior to this game, I was like, what's going on? You know, Costa Rica is just going to sit back and what good is a goalie who's good with his feet going to be? But Costa Rica did not bunker. 
So having a goalie that was, you know, more comfortable is more of an advantage in that, in that case. I can't believe how open that game ended up being. Ben, do you want to, do you want to mention anybody's at, or we could just blow past that? We can just go past it. All right. Cause we respect the person who added you, but never mind. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that game, that game did end up being back and forth. I think that Costa Rica smelled blood in the water, to be honest. Um, wouldn't you if they, like yes. that was the first minute and you all of a sudden say American goalie comes flying out of net and then you manage to sneak one past him within what four inches of his hand like what was that by the way like he just kind of stood there awkwardly and was like should, should I go so, for it? I, I guess I'll go for it oh shoot I think, and that's... I think he thought that the ball was going to be redirected so he's waiting like it was like he was like sitting on 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 the cur- curveball and then the fastball came right down the middle and he just like was not ready for it that was a change of at best. The, I mean, the, the camera angle from behind the net kind of looked, I think it was Dest, that he looked like um, he it thought was, was going to get a piece of it. It was Richardson. Richards. Richards? Sorry. Yeah. That was a long time ago, and I haven't rewatched it. Yeah, he, he, I think Ace is right. It kind of looked like he was waiting for a, for a switch or for to hit somebody, and it never did. Yeah. Um, so, so, the, that, so, like, that was, like, the 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 thing with Stefan and and I I think that it probably is a function of game time because like he didn't it, it's like like you're just like a beat off right like you're just like not you know Greg I think you you like you you mentioned or whoever I, Kevin I don't know somebody's mentioned like would miss punches like wouldn't have full control of the box um and that's something that like comes with like game time right like getting used to it and and feeling it out so um hopefully I don't know. He can figure his shit out because playing it like being backup keeper at Man City isn't all that worthwhile if you're not getting on the field. Yeah, I think if he was getting moves, I I, I don't really know who's a better shot stopper. I mean, Turner has been in great it's form. Turner. I mean, if you're by MLS metrics, which is like there's no point of trying to compare Stefan's European careers. The guy doesn't play any meaningful games. Yeah. But by MLS metrics, like Turner is supposedly like an off the charts, like elite shot stopping talent. Um, so it, it's gotta be him, but I, I don't know, depending on the opponent, you can talk me into this idea that you need someone a little bit better with their feet, but I still, I, I don't, I no, would have rather, I, I'd rather yeah, just would have had Turner. I don't yeah. Know. I, I don't understand the argument uh, for somebody who's better with their feet at the expense of shot blocking. Uh, again, we've been over this, but as a goalie, your job is to make sure that the ball does not end up back in your net. Part of that might be, you know, clearing the ball, and if you have, a, if you end up on uh, when playing it out of the back goes wrong, sure, like that's kind of a function of that. But we should be looking for a goalie first and foremost who will stop shots. Period. Right. Full stop. Well, right. What? It's it's the, it's the sec it's the secondary skill of a of a position is super cool, but only if you can do the first thing. So it's like you know to use to 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 go up through the list. Like we've talked about this with Josh Sargent. Um, Josh Sargent is really awesome at everything that a striker is supposed to do, except for the thing. And well, so, to, and to go back to a baseball analogy, it would be like the Yankees using some podunk reliever because his curveball is miles better than Mariano Rivera's, ignoring the fact that Mo just has to throw three cutters and he's got three out. Like it, it's just asinine. You. You want the primary you want the guy who has the best primary skill to be back there in these types of games. If you want to mess around with guys playing out of the back in friendlies, 
go nuts. Gold Cup, uh, Gold Cup, Nations League, don't give a shit. But especially coming off of a World Qu- World Cup qualifying um, cycle where we, well, I'm talking about like the last one in 2018 where we failed to make it. But also like the earlier one um, this year where it was kind of a disappointment and even pa- like you're you need to prioritize not <laughs> letting the ball into the net. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, and, and I think like part of that, part of that priority has to come from the, the structure of this team. And this is a, a fundamentally defensive team. Like, Berhalter, like at this point, I think that we can say in games that matter, Berhalter's a, a defensive coach. He 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 would rather win one nothing than five four. Did you guys uh, see that? Uh, Sweden for that or Switzerland, whatever one it was. I don't remember. Yeah. Did you guys see that report that I found? Like there was some Twitter account. I forget who it was, but they had like a bunch of data analysis that showed um, Berhalter's time in Columbus. Yes, and how like the evidence kind of pointed out that like however they came to this probability, there was like a ninety nine percent probability that he had improved them defensively. But there was nearly very little evidence that he produced any offensive improvement from them. Yeah, I was looking through that earlier today because I don't know if you quote t- quote tweeted it. Smarter, or smarter scout, smarter scout was the account. There you go. Or if you want the roundabout way, just check out uh, Half Space's Twitter account. Uh, you'll you find go. it. Uh, that's how I found it. Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, I mean, the thing I, is, the like, thing is, I, is that go ahead, Greg. Well, I was gonna say. Ben's right. I'm not really sure how he came to those conclusions. I didn't look that deeply into the uh, algorithm algorithms or calculations or anything. Um, but it did, you know, based on a preliminary reading, it did appear that Burhalter makes a pronounced uh, improvement in defense and does almost he, he it didn't look like he was negative, but he has almost no effect on offense. Which brings us back to Ben's uh, campaign for an offensive coordinator, attacking pattern specialist. Well, we can't we can't offend the soccer folk. I mean, look, just hire Lane Kiffin. Whatever, it's fine. So I think this comes back to and this is the debate in my head about there is an argument. Okay, if you have a goalie who is a who's a plus player with his feet, if it's if it's resulting in quick transitions or or killer passes out of the back to create chances at the other end, awesome. But by definition, like playing out of the back means like you make everyone in the stadium very nervous for like three or four passes inside of your own 18. Finally, you slip something through to the midfield and conceivably it's, it's just like picking up a blitz in football. They, they've sent their defenders up the field. You would think there's going to be room behind them to, to complete a pass, both football and football. But instead, the intent is, oh, now let's like recycle the ball and play very slowly. So at that point, it's like, what have we really accomplished? Like we've just we did the hard part of breaking a press and we don't want to do the fast break. Well, that's where our first goal came from, though. I don't know if you remember, but we were kind of like pinned along like the the left sideline. And that move ended up like we played out of it and ended up all the way, you know, up to where Dest had it at the 
top of the box. We, we do progress the ball up the field, but I guess just generally speaking, it feels like there should be a sense of urgency as soon as you break that press to find some. Like Brendan Aronson will run wherever you point the kid, like he will run as hard as humanly possible. And generally, it's he wants it to be behind defenses. I, I don't know. I just all this work to play out the back and, and be pretty for the sake of being pretty to then not turn that transition into chances um, sucks. This midfield today was a lot better at progressing the ball forward than midfields that we've seen recently. Yes. Um, personnel dependent, obviously. Right. And and I think that that's part of it, right? Like, right. like we can play, we can play it out of the back if we're playing with our full squad because, you know, Adams or, or Musa or McKenney to a certain extent, will find the ball quickly to Dest and or Jedi, and they get the ball north-south quickly. Um, well, and I think that midfield two, I think, so that midfield three we had in there in game one and three, this window, is really good. And I feel like if you're going to rotate, Greg, you got to have two of those three in there. Like, you can lose, and I'm <laughs> Adams might always have to be in there, but you need Adams and McKenney, or you need Adams and Musa, and then maybe you can swap that third one around sometimes. But like that midfield is just so much better than what we saw at uh, at you know in Panama. Yeah, and and I think part of that is 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 personnel, and part of it, un- unfortunately, at this point, is is that you know we are just in a situation where we play significantly better at home. Right. Right. Well, it's hard to draw that conclusion though, from this window, because we played a drastically inferior team. We, we, excuse me. We put a drastically inferior team on the field in Panama than when we played against Jamaica and Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the first window, the, the, the saving grace of those three games was on the road late against Honduras, where we just, remembered oh yeah we can run teams over if we just play fast so i i, I don't know it's hard to I, i'm getting tired of this like oh conca calf on the road is hard like it is it is difficult like don't get me wrong it, it's not as comfortable as playing in columbus or or your own backyard um but it isn't like everywhere else in the world is tough going on the road you think that like argentina likes playing in brazil or germany so, likes going on the road to like hungary no i don't think you can compare uh, uh, I don't know if you can compare the European uh, away games to the South American or CONCACAF. Uh, there is some very real violence in the air at Brazil-Argentina that I oh, yeah. don't think is present at Germany-Hungary. Like uh, Germany-Hungary think- might have been a, a rough example, but I, I don't know. I was watching the, the Poland-Albania game, and I mean, that game got suspended at the end because of violence in the stands and people going on the ground and uh, it was, I think it was the hungry game Their ultras were like clashing with police in the stands. It was, it was wild. Like, Wait, is there I, a history of violence in Europe? I forget. <laughs> right. Um... Yeah. You want to go play a road qualifier in Serbia, bro? Like, come on. <laughs> Serbia it, or Honduras? I take Serbia. Uh, uh, Serbia, what? I don't know. Do <laughs> I have to wear my name on my kit? <laughs> Fair. And, and, this is, and, and to be clear, this is nothing about the people of these countries. I'm just saying, like the game day environments, they're they're rough everywhere in the world. Unless you're playing, you know, some bougie Western European country, like they're tough everywhere. And I get what do we think of... about what do we think about Chris Richards tonight? I I don't have. I mean, aside from the one iffy tackle that maybe was, maybe wasn't a penalty, I don't remember a lot about him, which I think is good. 
For defenders, I tend to feel like offensive linemen. If you don't notice them, it's probably good, but I'm not sure. That was my analysis. I didn't really notice Chris Richards that much, which I think at the very least means that he's, you know, he had a decent game. Ben's right. It's the same thing with goalkeepers, offensive linemen, whatever. The less you notice them, the better usually. So I think, I mean, I'm waiting for Ben to do his rewatch and look at his grades because I there's <laughs> way too much on that. But uh, I would say he's going to end up fa- like a little bit above zero. So like a plus two or something, plus one and a half. Which is fine. Like you, you, you don't want a whole lot of events probably, right, Ben? Right. Um, well, I mean, it depends if if because I don't remember much like distribute like occasionally a defender will have a, a high total just because they you know, we're, you know, breaking lines a lot, but I don't feel like either, either uh, central center back did that tonight. So, and I don't remember a ton of defensive interventions from him. So yeah, I would guess like a kind of a, you know, like a, a low impact, like three to five somewhere in there. Which is fine. Because yeah, of... perfect. You don't want a lot more than that. Sometimes I was gonna say, if you have an entire back defensive line of like plus threes, that typically, I would assume that's usually a win. It's like when your yeah, safety is mean, like yeah. the leading tackler on a on a team. It, it probably doesn't mean that you had a good time, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> it. I mean, it's it's possible, but like so so. I think notably in this conversation, we haven't talked a lot about a certain player, and I think that that's a testament to the nature of USMNT Twitter and analysis. But um, have we talked about Ricardo Pepe in the last half hour? Yeah, he was not. It. He was not good tonight. Like. I would just say, like, not existent. He, he pops up in a few spots. He skimmed some headers. Like, he wasn't as clinical as maybe he normally would be. But to be fair, the, the two goals that he scored uh, against Jamaica were, were very, like, clear-cut and obvious chances. Whereas... So, a couple things. Sorry, I'm sorry, Kevin. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please. I was going to say, a couple things I noticed with him. He took two or three touches that if he were Jassy Zardes – He'd just be getting lit up on Twitter. And then also, I don't know if you guys noticed this too, but I thought Anthony Robinson's crosses were like nowhere near anybody. So like, between, um... between him not getting service and then having some, some rough touches, I don't know. It just is, I don't think it's going to end up being a great game on rewatch for him. Do you know, do you know what I was, I was actually, um, when I was watching Jedi crosses, uh, do you guys remember the Joe Bowserman uh, passing chart? It's so I, I want to say it was <laughs> dead silence. Yeah, no. So, so, I, so I sorry, say, coach. Continue. I, Do I, I remember Joe Bowser? Man, no. Uh, I don't know. Is that close? No. Uh, he was the he big was guy, Spikes. God damn it. Um, <laughs> you know what? No, fine. Now we don't, now we don't get to talk about the Joe Bowserman passing chart. I hope you all are happy. Okay. Well, I, so you guys pay more attention to off ball stuff than I do. Was, was Pepe getting marked more? Were they shade, were they like shading him more? Cause maybe that's why, I mean, we've already talked about how way kind of had his way on the outside. So I was, <laughs> I like, was it because Pepe was getting marked more? So he had more room to, more room to move. <laughs> I just googled the Joe Bowserman passing chart, Asa. It, it was funny. Thank you. See, um, <laughs> I still don't know who that is, but he was the quarterback at Ohio State the year that they lost to Michigan. Oh, okay. Oh my God, I don't even remember that. Yeah, uh, it's it's very funny. Um, 
So we, uh, but, but, but yeah, so I, I, when I was watching Pepe, I thought that he was getting into a situation where like both center backs had four eyes on him, you know? Fine. That, that works, especially as good as Wea. I mean, Wea's goal was a, a rocket from the depths of the earth. But if we have a, a striker who can command that kind of attention, well, probably next one new guest who we have coming back to, to play on the wings for us are far and away two best attacking players. Mm-hmm. If if we go from having a, a a run hard, you know, effort guy at the nine that you don't really have to care about sneaking up and scoring goals on you to being like, oh, well, we're going to, he's going to command two defenders at all time. Well, good luck dealing with Reyna and Pulisic on the wings. One thing I feel like maybe could help too is I don't, I mean, I could be wrong on this because I'm not like a, you know, professional soccer coach, but it doesn't feel <laughs> like our guys, <laughs> our, our, right? our guys make complimentary runs in the box. Like, it, it feels like there should be one guy at the back post, one guy at the far post, then one guy like kind of doing like the Pep Guardiola cutback thing. But it, it doesn't feel like they read each other's runs and move in the box in a way that helps each other. It Does anybody seems, else notice that? I agree. It seems like a lot of this system is predicated on like overloads wide where you'll end up springing someone for a cross into like players who are drifting versus – all right, we've, if we have someone isolated on the wing one-on-one, like leave them alone and make like clever runs and give them options, or maybe they just cook them entirely. Like it feels like we, we, we clump to the side of the field with the ball is because we want to be Barcelona. Um, right. Then, but then we don't, we don't have the movement in the box to create space for like the last piece of it. Right. Or the messy. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that too. Yeah. That would uh, help. See, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Our passes go off each other's shins. It's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Asa will get this a little bit better than you guys, but it looks kind of like when I play FIFA again, where when I wander into the box with the ball, none of the computers know what cut to make because nobody knows I'm just chaos in the middle of the box. So it kind of looks like that. Like nobody really has played with each other enough that they can anticipate where they should make a run in order to open it up for the guy with the ball. And, well, and like, part of part- it might just be that everybody is 18 to 21. Yeah. <laughs> They haven't played much together yet. Yeah, and there's like a certain like someone gets the ball in the box like, great, okay, what do we do? Where does he want the ball? It's like, I don't know. He doesn't even know where he wants to go with the ball because he's like, I don't know why I'm here in the first place. Great. (laughs) I didn't think I would get this far. What the hell? Um, Like, it's like like we've been trying so hard to get the ball up the field and it's like, we're here. Now what? I don't know. Hopefully fucking (laughs) Dest will turn into prime uh, messy and upper 90 it which he did that was such a great angle too with the the, for the like the live feed of watching him like roll it onto his left foot and then just hit this absolute laser shot um it was one of those goals where you have like a physical reaction like i got like like chills or almost like goosebumps seeing it because it was just so ridiculous and i was so concerned about where the team was at being down one nothing whereas you know a lot of goals that the u.s scores are like oh well you know it was like tap-ins or like it ricochets off someone's face unexpectedly you mean like the second goal you can can add them (laughs) timo did it today uh that was i mean if it's a good thing it ricocheted back in off the goal I'm, i'm surprised it didn't just like you know the ball didn't just end up you know permanently stuck to the post like the power that he hit that with um. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, that was I, a I lot like of this... aggression being let out on the ball. Yeah, like that. I like the theory there, where it was like, 
Could I get this to the far post? Yeah, probably. I have an angle on it. But nah, fuck this dude right at his face. Was it the U17 <laughs> or U20 World Cup, like however many years ago, that he hit like this absolutely ridiculous shot from, um, it'd be like uh, goalies right way outside the 18 and just hit an absolute rocket like in transition. I just remember seeing that. I mean, like, man, that guy's got a right foot on him. I um, think that was U seventeen. U seventeen. I think that was the when that was Andrew the jo- Carlton was starring. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say that was the the. Oh yeah, you're right. U seventeen because it was like I think it was the U twenty tournament that was like the Josh Sargent tournament when yeah, he was still was like seventeen years old. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Kevin, back to your point. I thought both goals, uh, both guys had really good footwork. Who who was the American announcer on on the broadcast? Was that Twelman? Twelman. Okay, he pointed out more on Weyas than anything I heard for Dest. Uh, Kevin's already talked about, you know, the death movement Dest had on his left foot. But Weya did a really good job of, like, fouling the ball in and turning his hips more open towards the net so that he didn't have to touch the ball. He could just blast it from, yeah. like, where he was. And uh, it's like it, it wasn't that noticeable uh, at full speed. But when you slow it down, that, that goal – I mean – own goal bullshit whatever but that was beautiful he like you can literally see him track the ball in move his hips and be like oh i got this dude's dead to rights so i have a really weird really weird reference do you guys you grew up in detroit do you know who don cherry is of course yeah okay so i grew up watching hockey night in canada with the somewhat uh racist don cherry Um, yeah i don't think you need somewhat anymore all right (laughs) maybe when you were growing up but he's gone full-blown now Oh, has he? I don't know. Is he alive still? Yeah, he got fired last year for making racist comments. Oh, all right. I missed that. Poor Don. (laughs) Anyway, um, growing up, Don Cherry never would always give European player, European hockey players a hard time, like for being soft and like not being like real hockey players like Canadians. I don't know. I feel and, like there's and we're a shocked and we're shocked. That <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> ben, I right. think you're, I think your Don Cherry's comment shirt is asking, is answering a lot of questions you're asking here. <laughs> anyway, I'm trying to get to a point that may or may not make sense. I kind of feel like Sergio Dest gets a little bit of crap from American soccer because he is like a Euro guy. Like he's not a bad defender. Leave the dude alone. Like occasionally he's like too far up the field or. I guess he's a little, I don't know, he, he sometimes is, isn't as interested in defending. But, I mean, he's Barcelona's starting right back. The dude is good. I think the thing is, is that uh, it's not that he's a bad defender. It's that he doesn't care. And you saw it because, like, he got little brothered by Alfonso Davies, woke up and was like, nah, screw this. And then, like, hung with Alfonso Davies until he got hurt in that game. Like, when he wants to, he's he's as good as anyone. I, I think he said a he had a really, really bad nations league cycle with that friendly against Switzerland. And then how he played the rest of that, like poor. And he he was our best player in that first window before we went down with that ankle injury. And I think Mm -hmm. he's had two very, very, very good games in this window. I don't really think you're going to get the best out of him in friendlies either. I think he turns up for those. He's like, this this doesn't matter. I am not defending. I mean, would you? I think I think it's a combination of what Ben and Asa are saying. I think that American soccer is so used to, you know, the underdog role where we pri- where we pride ourselves on our work rate and how tough we are and all this all this stuff. Frankie Hey Duke at right back. Yeah. So that like as soon as you get uh 
especially in the defense and like defensive mids. But as soon as so as soon as you get a defender who doesn't really fit that mold, like they're they're not going to accept him right away because he doesn't conform to their idea of what a good defender should be. They're like to everybody else, a good defender is John Brooks. You are six foot whatever, and you push people around. Well, sure that that can work. There's guys that do that, but that it's not the only way to find success as a defender. I thought that he played really hard. He ran down a couple of loose balls that looked like they were rolling out. I thought that he's ran really hard in this window. If that's like get- the if that's the metric we want to use from an American standpoint of oh, right. does this fullback give a crap? Like, I thought he ran hard. I thought in the Nations League he looked aloof, but I think he's remedied that. Is that because he was dancing on TikTok? Sorry, Ben. Go ahead. No, sorry. I thought we. I think we might have gotten through this window without any injuries. Am I wrong? Depends on uh, how well. Dest came off. I didn't see what it was for though. And I I thought that Weston was held out of Panama because of like uh, like hamstring tightness or something. I thought I thought he was held out because he um, because because of like uh, COVID stuff. No, that's just the English guys. That was Stefan oh. and Robinson. I think that McKenney was like a, an intentional scratch. Yeah, but nobody seems like they're hurt, hurt. Like, we're not going to have the oh, Reina Pulisic right, situation no, right. where we go back and they're out six weeks. Yep. Yeah, so so the, the, the news on that, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, it appears Reina is going to be out another two to three. Oh, man. Oh, really? Weeks or months? Weeks. Weeks. I thought he was almost back like before this window. Yeah, but somebody somebody put out a tweet today, and and it was like I, I think it was like a blue check mark, so um, like <laughs> another two to three. So you know it's real. I mean, I, depends I, I on which to, blue check mark it is. <laughs> What's Pulisic status? Uh, last I saw, he was in training, so okay. Hopefully, good to go. But so so the the next game, I mean. Not, I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it at length over the next couple of weeks. I'm sure, but um, next game's Mexico, so get your shit together. Time to I'm go. going. Any any of you guys going? Where is it? It's Cincinnati. in Cincinnati. Did you yeah. get tickets? Kevin's going. Yeah. So I entered the lottery. You did. So we've not been yeah. able to get. We didn't get lotto tickets. So I'm gonna have to go and try to scavenge off of the secondary market. I'm sure it's gonna be very cheap. All right, if, if I have one of my guys back out on me, I'll let you know. But for now, I for now I, I, got, I got booked, three. So, um, and it's through Southwest. So, despite the fact that they cancel flights left and right, I think <laughs> up and until like the gates close, I can cancel for a full refund. So, right. um, amazing. Yep. So you bought ticket? You bought a flight without having a ticket? Oh, yeah, as soon as they announced the game, yeah, he sent it to the group chat. Yeah, like fifteen minutes oh. after they announced the location, we we booked on Southwest. Uh, I will coincidentally be in Mexico, so <laughs> I will be hiding. <laughs> I I have no plans to go to Ohio ever. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great today, Coach. Do you know why I'm doing great? Tell me. Because I get to make podcasts with my friends using the Anchor app. It, and, well, you know, I, I get why that makes you happy, but certainly you have to pay for the Anchor app. You know, you'd be surprised to find out? Completely free. Completely free. But they say nothing is free. Well, apparently podcasting with your friends can be through the Anchor app. Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's like... You got to have some like super complicated studio or editing software, right? 
You know, I can't say that confidently, but since you're the one that edits all of our podcasts, I'm fairly confident any moron can do it. Well, you know, any any moron can do it because, again, I do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can edit well. You can't. I can't. I don't really know how to edit. But you can do it through the Anchor app. It supposedly makes it easy. You're just not that good at it. It's all right. And we, when we say you, we mean the royal you, listener. Not just you, Asa. Uh, or but, you, Greg. Right. Uh, and not just you, Greg, you, Greg, but you, Greg, Greg Burrett. Who, who I assume listens. Does, do, do we have confirmation that Greg Berhalter listens to the podcast? We have confirmation that a Greg listens to the podcast. Why do we need the second one? I mean, you certainly don't need an extra G. No, that's just Greg. that's incredibly wrong. Um, but, you know, people listen to our, our podcast and they, they listen to it all over the place. So does that happen by magic? It, it might. I don't know how we got a Czech Republic listener. <laughs> Well, I think it's because the Anchor app distributes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It does. It's very easy to find. I've been able to find it on at least two of those services. And, you know, isn't that what the whole point is? Spotify, Apple, Google. What more do you need than those three? Right. Our tech overlords have made it clear that that's what you need. So that's what you need. What what do you want? Um, So here's, here's probably the biggest question. Um, it is well established that you get pray, paid in breakfast tacos. Yes. Um, but if somebody wanted to be paid in perhaps fiat currency, such as dollars or pesos, could they do that through the Anchor app? I don't personally understand why they would choose to do that. But yes, the Anchor app is willing to pay you in fiat currency instead of breakfast tacos, if you are so inclined. We're... we're we're just saying that if you wanted to trade your podcasting voice for fiat currency that would then be used to buy breakfast tacos, you could do that. That's your choice. Your uh, ideas intrigue me, and I would like to sub- subscribe to your podcast. And I can do so using Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Just go to Touchlines and Touchdowns and click that little foul button, and you'll hear from us twice a week, every week. Every week. Um, so it sounds like this podcast, which is very professionally done, is all done in one place through the Anchor app. It sure is, which makes bridging our four different time zones a hell of a lot easier. Sure does. So do, do you want to do, do the call to action or do you want me to do the call to action? Be my guest. <laughs> this is a professional podcast. So... Here for listeners and friends, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, do not put anchor.fm slash TLS underscore and underscore TDS um, because we don't get anything from it. So just go straight to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app so you too can trade fiat currency for breakfast tacos. That's really the dream. How are you doing, Coach Nick? And we're back. Uh, so we uh, had some technical difficulties there. That didn't go great, but um, we're going to try again. I'm back. Oh, good. How are we doing? Uh, I am doing phenomenal. I spent a week in the woods. I did not have to shit in the woods. I did not fight a bear. 
I did prepare for hibernation by eating a bunch of shellfish and pasta. Any any salmon? I mean, how 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 close to the bear life did you get here? Uh, not very. Mostly lobster and mussels and whatever they serve in Maine. Uh, I believe that is a lobster culture. Mostly, but there's other stuff too. Uh, sure, why not? Uh, probably maple syrup. Isn't that what they do up there? If that was the time, the correct time of year. I mean, we're in the fall. Well, I didn't eat a lot of pancakes. That's a you problem. That's fair. Okay, this is getting off topic. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, so uh, I want to talk briefly. Like this, this, this weekend sucks in college football. Um, but but there is a rivalry game. I feel like we should talk about it. Um, and that is Michigan State uh, goes to Bloomington to reclaim the old brass spit bucket. Again, I'd like to emphasize it has a name. It is called a spittoon. Whether or not you call it what it literally is is indifferent, but it does have an actual name. Yeah, but it's like it's like when like like the uh, like the Iowa Nebraska game is like the All American uh, presented by Barbasol Trophy. But really, it's like it's the weird corn kid. Yeah, it's definitely the corn trophy. Um, and so the 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 battle for the old brass spit bucket uh, forks down. Um, so Michigan state, obviously six and zero. Indiana, not that Indiana has come way the hell back down to earth because Michael, uh, last name's not penis, uh, not playing well. And also has like a separated shoulder. Yeah. I mean, he's been playing injured the whole year and he's coming off an ACL tear. So I don't know like what we expected of him, but clearly we overemphasized him. Yeah. So Indiana, not very good. Michigan state, maybe marginally Marginally good. I, I, I don't want to say good, but apparently top 10. Yeah, I don't want to say good because I feel like that's just a jinx. Yeah, but, uh, but that, game's, that game's noon on FS1. Um, but as a testament to how bad this weekend is, uh, I'm going to turn this over to our NFL correspondent, Nick. Nick, what do you know about the, the Kentucky-Georgia game? Nothing. <laughs> okay. I know Georgia is the second best team in the country, right? Maybe first. We'll get there. Uh, but so if, if I were to tell you that these two teams were conference mates and both were undefeated, and this was the game picked by ESPN to be the game of the week, what would you expect that spread to be like? Um, within three touchdowns, at least, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd be wrong. <laughs> this, this game, I think on DraftKings is at 24 and a half, uh, Bovada, maybe 23 and a half. Um, this, this, like, even, even Vegas is like, we got nothing for you. You want to, you want to play with the spread? Fine. Go do fucking other games because this game ain't it. Um, but I am excited to see how, how, like, how ESPN, like, tries to hype it up. Um, and they're like, yeah, this will be a close game. No, it won't. No, no, it won't. Um, in other news, uh, Nick Saban gets to go to Mike Leach, uh, and Mississippi State as his like bounce back game. So um, yeah. And he gets his revenge. Wait, yeah. is, is Kentucky, Kentucky, Georgia is game day. Yeah. They're doing game day for a game on CBS. Oh. Yeah. They do that every now and then because like the other, the only other ranked game this week is Texas, Oklahoma state, which is on Fox. Wow. Oh, all right. So uh, like, like what they should have done is they should have had game day at, um, at Louisiana, but that game was last night. Uh, we're, we're, we're recording on Wednesday. That game happened last night. It was conceptually a good game. And then Louisiana won 41 to 13. 
Correct. They did. Yes. Um. So like, it's just it's just a nothing weekend. Like, unless un like, I I think that you look at the schedule and you, like, you could have said like, oh, like maybe you do Auburn, Tennessee, but like, who gives a shit? Florida, LSU, but same thing. Right. LSU just got doubled up by Kentucky. Uh, Coach O is not going to have a job much longer. No, he's not. But he a recruiting coordinator for the Nick Saban home for uh, fired boys soon. <laughs> Actually, here's a question. Uh, USC needs a coach. Uh, could they get a coach with a former with a, with a national title? I'm just saying. And a former assistant. I'm, I'm sorry, former head former head coach. Interim yeah, head coach. And he went around with the sword once. Yes, he did. That would actually be a very funny uh, hiring. I also saw on that, what do you call it? The the Twitter account where it's like the best of college message boards. Yeah, message somebody board was, geniuses. We love yeah, them. Somebody is already, and I think it was completely serious, <laughs> suggesting Joe Burrow be the next coach at LSU, and they should just buy out his Bengals contract. I mean, <laughs> I God bless the South. Um... Anyway, so so let's let's talk about the 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 NFL this weekend. Um, so before we get to anything else, uh, I want to say congratulations to the city of Las Vegas for two reasons. One, you no longer have to deal with Chucky as your coach. And two, <laughs> two and I think more importantly to the local economy, uh, Vegas just won a shit ton of money because Urban Meyer was not the first coach to lose his job. <laughs> and like, yeah. I, that's the bigger upset to me here is that Urban was not the first coach to lose his job. I, do you think anybody actually bet that Gruden would be the first one to lose his job, though? No. Urban Meyer probably just took the field against himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, if I wouldn't have bet John Gruden was the first coach to lose his job until Tuesday or whenever, whenever that, that first report came out. It was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> I don't think there was really any money on Gruden to be the first coach fired. I think, and even Urban Meyer, was Urban Meyer even? I mean, before, like, two weeks ago, like, I would have said maybe Matt Nagy would be the number one contender. I would yeah. have said Joe Judge. Well, or I, Joe Judge when, is a good one, too, yeah. It depends on when you started laying down the money. As soon as USC fired Clay Helton, it, taking Urban Meyer would not have been a poor decision, but no, like we're talking it, from no, because USC can't hire Urban Meyer even if they wanted to. It's Not just now. Like a, well, no, no, no. Even <laughs> even before two weeks ago, he he's too hot for them anyway. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. He hasn't been fired. There's no way for him to you know just go take a college job unless he goes like full Nick Saban. But I mean. You you say that like it's almost unlikely. Wouldn't that be the full Bobby Petrino? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm he's just definitely, saying. Look, he's in the class of these guys. I mean, there's definitely the the countdown is on. I, I don't think Urban Meyer has a lot of staying power in the NFL at this point. Um, but I just I don't see him. Like I think it's a wrap for these guys i don't see urban meyer going back to like premier college programs maybe usc isn't a premier program anymore but i'm just saying (laughs) Um, you can my favorite part about the urban meyer in nfl urban meyer nfl experience is that he keeps feeling the need to put out these statements about how like disappointed he is in that he keeps losing it's like dude 
you, this is the NFL. Shut up and just win a game. You don't, well, it, like, you we know, don't need this. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Chip Kelly. When Chip Kelly, after his first year, because remember, people forget that his first year in Philadelphia was pretty successful. Um, and like it's just like about the, the, the mentality of college coaches going to the pros is someone asked him like, oh, how do you feel about your season? Like after they lost in the, in the playoffs, you know, and they ended up 10 and seven. Uh, well, he said, and he said, well, I won 10 out of 17 games. So I would give myself a failing grade because that's, a, you know, whatever that percentage is, 57, whatever. And like when, when you hear that from a, from a pro coach, you're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, like a 10 win season in your first year as a, as a coach is, 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 Pretty good. It's fine. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's Jeff Fisher played, stayed employed for a decade by going seven and nine every year. So and, like, that's at least a C. Yeah. So, so like, I think Urban Meyer, I mean, Urban Meyer had heart attacks when he lost two games in a season. <laughs> now, and like I, I, the fact that he went to Jacksonville, like it, it didn't make sense. Like for anybody who knew him, like it was always like, dude, are you ready to lose 12 games? Because you're gonna in a good year. Um, and well, it was the it was yeah. the cap space and the possibility of Trevor Lawrence, which I also enjoyed the fact that Trevor Lawrence has lost more games as a Jacksonville Jaguar than he did in high school and college combined, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he never lost games, but like my thing with um, you know, these college coaches um, in the NFL, I don't think they're being doomed by a certain like college mentality. Like, I, I get that that's kind of foolish saying like oh 10 and 10 and 6 wasn't a good season or whatever um but like like dan campbell this past week um made headlines because he cried a little bit at the podium after the game (laughs) just a little bit it's fine because they lost for the second time in three weeks on a last second field goal i mean it's pretty brutal so, yeah, and I mean, and I mean, Dan Campbell also said this week, like Drew Brees texted him, like, like <laughs> these guys are going all out. Like everybody, everybody in the NFL can see. Lion, no one is confusing the Lions roster with with a talented roster, but nobody's quitting on Dan Campbell. Like, there's nothing going on that you with the Lions that you would put in the Urban Meyer, um, you know, class right now. So it's just like. I don't and, and like no other coach in the NFL is going to after a loss is going to be like cry, like crying at the press conference but like I don't think that's no I don't think that's I don't think a college mentality is what's dooming Urban Meyer I just think he's a bad coach and what's, I think Chip Kelly was a bad coach I think all those guys are bad coaches like I, yeah. I don't think yeah. that it's impossible to like care about other things that NFL coaches don't care about and still be successful well, I think I think you 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 can certainly be a a a, comp, a a successful coach in college and the pros. I mean, I think Matt Rule is relatively successful given everything. Um, but but what I what what I think is the biggest issue with Urban Meyer is that Urban Meyer, like you said, is just not a very good coach, and you can see that by. Um, I think the the most and and we can disagree about this perhaps, but we talk about the Jags far too much on this podcast. Um, but the 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 most talented player in the in the Jacksonville offense doesn't touch the ball. And I think that's LaVisca Chanel. Like, he doesn't touch the ball, and that's a coaching issue. And 
And well, like, he doesn't know about that. I mean, Urban, he has literally no idea. He's completely <laughs> oblivious to everything that's going on with his football team. And he said after the game this last week, yes. when it was brought up that uh, James Robinson had his snaps cut in half in the second half, he said, I don't micromanage the game like that. And then they asked him about Carlos Hyde being in on the most important play of the game uh, over James Robinson. And he said, you know, I don't know. So um, you can't you can't hold well, Urban Meyer accountable for things like oh, oh things like why uh, Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew dominated targets compared to Marvin Jones and Lavishka Chenault on Sunday. Like you can't. There's, there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason that out. Yeah. Personnel and scheme is definitely not the responsibility of the head coach. Yeah, it's just <laughs> random chance whoever runs out there. Who knew? Who, who, he's actually who, who rolling. He's actually rolling a dice, and this is like unbelievable probability because Carlos Hyde is obviously number one, and he just keeps coming. Urban just keeps coming up with ones. I yeah, don't know how it keeps happening? It's 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 like uh you know, I I I don't know how that running back who I loved in college ended up on this team and ended up on the field on the most important play of the game. How random? How how bizarre? How weird? And honestly, the, the craziest the craziest thing he's said is the goal every week is 250 and 250. <laughs> 250 Ooh. passing yards, 250 rushing yards. Um, my friend. Urban, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the goal is actually just to score more points on the other team. However you get there, it's fine. Just You're supposed to score more points. This isn't <laughs> – we're not looking for a Vanderbilt or a Rutgers on the schedule. You don't need to practice both phases. There's no get-right game coming. You are the get-right game. I'm sorry. Yes, you are the get-right game for everybody else. I'd also <laughs> like to go back to Dan Campbell because I think – at least I owe him an apology. Uh, I mean, Nick's right. The, the Lions aren't like the most talented team or whatever. But Dan Campbell got those guys to buy in fully. And I did not expect – I mean, I expected bad football. But I did not expect all-out effort during the bad football. So, like, kudos to him. Right. I think Dan Campbell – like, the Lions right now should be 0-5 with five blowouts. And they're 0-5 with two losses on last-second field goals over 50 yards. That's never happened in the NFL before. No team in NFL history has lost two games in the same season on a last-second field goal um, over, 50 o- over than 50 yards. And the Lions nice. have already done it twice in five weeks. Nice. Like, I mean, making like, history. Like, <laughs> That's what we Lions, did. What, what's happened in these, in, you know, just in these five weeks is so improbable. Like, the Lions should have a win, basically, is what I'm saying. Lions should not be 0-5. But it's the law. Dan Campbell. Well, it's fun. Dan I mean, Campbell it's go like four and eleven and should be eligible for coach of the year. <laughs> Not win, uh, but like <laughs> he should be. He should be up there on the stage. Yes, let him hand off the trophy. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know if the trophy has uh, an image of a person, but he'd probably bite the kneecaps. I mean, it's an easy joke, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. Yeah, well, it's right there. <laughs> um, so I, I think given that this is a, a media podcast uh, and, and we are the media, I, th- I, I think we need to at least mention the fact that um, as part of the, the John Gruden leaks, uh, we got confirmation about the way that um, certain sports media work. And as the sports media insider, Nick, uh, what do you think? Um, I mean, it's it's nothing surprising. Adam Schefter is a confirmed weasel. I mean, he's not a journalist. This is stuff we already knew. I mean, he works at a place that, um, I mean, I guess they do employ some journalists, but he's clearly not being held to 
any kind of standard. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think he should be fired, of course, but that'll never happen. Well, I, what I thought the, I mean, obviously like this, this is one of those things where it's like confirm the thing we all knew anyways. But I, I, I felt that this was confirmed last year when, um, according to Adam Schefter, nobody in the NFL got COVID. Yeah, uh, it was confirmed um, at the draft when he kept saying Mac Jones was going to be the number three pick. <laughs> I mean, this guy is just, a, you know, he's in bed with the NFL because ESPN's in bed with the NFL. So it's like, of course, he's not going to report on this stuff. He's going to, you know, like, l- let me just lay it out for people who are not familiar no one does this. It's not normal to send <laughs> your final story to Bruce Allen, to, a, you know, an interested party, to a source. You know, you, you don't just send them. You, if you, if you want to get clarification on something, you can ask them, hey, is this true? You don't send them your final copy and say, Mr. Editor. I mean, it's going to come off of more of a bigger weasel in this, in this piece. Well, my I mean, favorite part about the ESPN statement on it, because obviously they've already put out a statement, was basically they were saying, like, ah, no, it was during the lockout. Like, this is totally cool. He doesn't do that now. Their like, statement was a total non-statement. I mean, look, Adam Schefter is a robot, basically. I mean, he proved this the other night on Monday Night Football when he he uh, came in to talk about John Gruden. And he was reporting about John Gruden. Not, you know, this John Gruden, it, it's not as serious as the um, – the thing that he got caught for he, and with the other email is about the collective bargaining negotiations in 2011. It's like a serious thing. Um, that story, you know, impacted people's live livelihoods. Um, so it would have been wrong if, you know, he was sending it to Bruce Allen. It would have been wrong if he sent it to somebody from the players association too. Um, but like, I mean, like my, my thing with this is that I, th- I think people like, they don't understand certain aspects of, of, of the fact that sports are not just like fun and games. They're, they're multi-billion dollar industries. So like, like imagine if a, a writer for the Detroit free press was reporting on the collective bar, a, a collective bargaining uh, dispute between the UAW and Ford. And this reporter went to the fucking Ford family and said, Hey, anything you want to <laughs> yeah. add? Mr. Like, Mr. Editor. Mr. Mr. Editor, like, are you kidding? Mr. Ford editor, Mr. Editor Ford. Yeah, like, like it's 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 it's, you know, like I I probably like look, I roll my eyes and not care if this was like, you know, like uh, he wrote an article about uh, you know, oh the 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 Patriots are going to go with a a quarterback in the in the NFL draft, and then he sent that to Belichick, like, hey, like anything you want to add, like, fine, that's annoying, it's poor journalism, but it's it's not, it doesn't matter, right? Um, well, the, the issue isn't that the issue isn't even that it's poor journalism. The issue is that he's holding himself up as a journalist while so clearly and transparently not being a journalist. If he just said, yeah. "Hey, man, I report what the NFL wants me to report," cool, that's your job. Totally get it. But if you want to be out there, and be like, "I'm the breaking news guy. I drop. I use my sources." It's like, no, man, you're sucking up to every person in the league so that they throw you a bone every like three weeks. Do we? I, I I feel like it's 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 not necessary, but um, our friends over at uh, Courtside Fraca will probably be uh, commenting on what Shams just did for Kyrie Irving. Um, yeah, I mean I, that's been in the back of my head. This whole conversation is that it's basically the same thing, but we don't focus on basketball enough. 
Right. Like there, there's another there's another podcast in the uh, Touchline Media Group that, that I'm sure will comment on that. But it's the same thing. It's like if you are just a PR mouthpiece and like I, I say it, you know, like from the desk of Kyrie Irving, he's not anti-vax. He's just he's just trying to make sure everybody has a choice. Like, fuck off. He's a voice for the voiceless. Yeah. What? what? Like COVID doesn't have enough spokespeople. <laughs> Look, man, we had two years where he was pretty seriously considering that the earth was flat. I don't know how much he's like trying to be the voice for the voiceless here. I think he just got caught being a dumbass again and is trying and people are trying to cover for him. He's it's it's, it's like a version of um of uh that concept like Schrodinger's douchebag. Like someone says something shitty and just waits for a response and if people get mad you're just like I'm just saying or I was just I was just throwing it out there. I was just joking. It's like no, you're a douche. Um yeah. and and Adam Schefter, you are that. Just to, um, yeah, exactly. Just to finish, like, my point about Schefter not just, like, being a robot who can't, like, use common sense. Like, he was reporting on this Gruden thing on Monday Night Football like it was a free agent signing. He literally said, he used the phrasing, Gruden did a clean sweep of offending people. Yeah. And it was like like someone had the tweet where Woj was reporting about um, – about Durant and Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan signing with the Nets. And he said, it's a clean sweep for Brooklyn. It was really like. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the thing is that like, he's, he's not a journalist. He's not a reporter. He is, he's a, a, a mouthpiece. And like you said, a robot, because like, I, I mean, this is what it is. Like, like it's, it's very clear what's happened here. Um, but just, just before we, uh, before we head into, to the, uh, the weekend, uh, Greg, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds. Give me all of the takes you have on Deuce Gruden. <laughs> uh, I cannot believe that boy is still. Uh, first of all, for those of you that don't know, Deuce Gruden is John Gruden's, I think, eldest son. I assume is, it's John Gruden the second, hence Deuce. It, yeah, that sounds right. Um, but he's a uh, he's a power lifter. He's a power lifter who got hired, obviously, as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. Um, I think it was originally for this uh, Washington with his uncle, but now he's the head strength and conditioning coach at the Raiders. This kid is no joke, like five, seven two thirty of just pure muscle. There is a picture of him on the internet that you need to find and we'll retweet it probably where it's him versus one of those like uh, defend yourself dummies that you're supposed to practice like punching and kicking. It's the exact same thing. It's, it's phenomenal. They are, the, they have the exact same physique. <laughs> Again, five foot seven. Special thank you to our guests, Ben, Kevin, and Nick. Uh, you can find Ben at PL Herald on Twitter uh, and at halfspaces.com. Um, he'll have a write up of this game with uh, grades and everything uh, shortly. So check him out. Uh, Kevin, you can't find on the internet because he doesn't believe in it. And uh, Nick, you can find on Twitter at Electric Snuff. You can find co-host Greg at Mr. Mojo Rising 89. You can find all of us, including me, Asa, at the Mothership Twitter account uh, at TLS underscore N underscore TDS, where we tweet about everything. And if you want to add us, we usually respond. Um, a special thank you to our sponsors, the Anchor App and the Smith Workforce Management Group. Special thank you to our uh, friends over at Touchline Media Group uh, and Touchline Fraca. And a special thank you to you, the listeners. Um, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So uh, if you could like, subscribe, share, uh, give us five stars on wherever you, uh, you get this podcast, we'd really appreciate it. And we will see you next time.
Social Podcast Network.